<laughs> I love it. Praise God. God is good. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity just to stand before uh, your church and your people, Lord. We love each one of them, Father. We want nothing else but them to know you in a mighty way, Father, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Father, bless that little girl. Beautiful. That's the kind of heart we're supposed to have, Father. So I give you the glory for today. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to know if any of these words uh, mean anything to you or what do they represent? The Oscars, the Emmys, the Golden Globe, the Grammys, the American Music, the Screen Actors Guild, the ESPY Awards, Daytime Enemy Awards. <laughs> And then country music, man, they got a whole category, man. Country music award, country music video awards, the Academy of Country Music Award, the Country Music Hall of Fame Award, the Baden Country Music Awards. I mean, there's all kinds of... Yeah, Grand Old Opry, praise God. I tell you, bring all that up because they're all award shows. Uh, in fact, 15 years ago, Kathy and I got to go to the, they called it the Dove Awards then, they probably call it the Gospel Music Awards now. It's a week, week of heaven. yeah, week of heaven that our old church sent us to uh, Nashville. We drove to Nashville, never been there. Uh, it was incredible. You know, walking down the street, running into the third day band. Kathy, that's the third day band, what? And they walked into a music store, she ran in there, tried to get them to call John Peterson up. Uh, Mac Powell is beautiful. Ran into David Crowder run, walking down the street. Boy, he's tall. His beard wasn't that long then. But I uh, had two girls with him, and Kathy went up and talked to him. And I said, well, how did it Because I'm too shy. Kathy had to go. I don't think those two girls wanted me there. But anyway, it was beautiful time uh, out in the streets. Right in the street, the band was setting up. And I said, well, who's this band? It's a new band called Sugarland. Fifteen years ago, they were starting on the street. Uh, playing, and that was a week from heaven. Got to see Tony Evans, Toby Mack uh, did a concert there at the convention center. Kathy got to go up and give him a hug, and then we were in the mall next to the Grand Old Opry. There's Toby Mack walking down the hallway. I told him to leave my wife alone, man. <laughs> Praise God. But uh, they're all award shows, so I came here today to talk to you about the everlasting awards, because all of those awards perish. In fact, Jesus said. And Matthew 6, 19 to 21, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Every time I read that, I think of O.J. Simpson. I don't know why. I'm sorry. But verse 20 says, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I wanted to talk about awards today. The Bible actually calls them crowns. And there's five crowns that the Bible talks about. And I want to go through them uh, pretty quickly. The first one is the crown of mastery. That's the first crown I wanted to talk about today. And I look up mastery. A definition is command or grasp as of a subject superiority or victory and I thought to myself well, what's the subject our lives our lives is the subject you know we're supposed to live our life and want to be like Christ and want to do the things he commands us to do and for the crown of master mastery I thought about 
1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Live that life. Live your life so you may obtain that prize. It says every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath. In other words, it's going to perish one day. But he also says, but we do it for an imperishable thing. And that's why my subtitle was hashtag imperishable because I thought that was a cool thing to do. We win this crown by committing to uh, disciple ourselves or discipline ourselves in order to compete successfully. It's beautiful. No one ever becomes good at anything without disciplining himself. And maybe you heard of that 10,000-hour rule that this guy Malcolm Gladwell came up with. He made it famous. And the principle is that it's required 10,000 hours of doing something again and again so you master it. And although 10,000 hours may not be the exact requirement, the point is that, and I should have put this in your listening guide, consistency creates competency. Competency leads to mastery. Think about all the hours Kobe Bryant practiced. Think about all those hours in the gym, all the time practicing. And I had a picture of Kobe Bryant there. A friend of mine texted this uh, to me, Jeff Rollins, and look what he said. God is great. Don't get no simpler than that, bro. You can know it all you want, but until you got to pick up that cross that you can't carry, he picks it up for you and carries you uh, and the cross, then you know. I don't know where he was in his Christianity, but I thought that was a powerful statement that he made. But think about all those hours he did. Think about all the hours of Tom Brady. I said that for my buddy Jeff Evans. Or think about Mike Trout. Think about the greatest players, you know, in the history of really right now. All the hours they go through practicing, spending hours practicing and training. Why? Because they want to be the best and I love when they call them legends. You know, Kobe Bryant was a legend, without a doubt. One of the yeah. best all time. Yeah. Oh, amen. Cal Ripken, without a doubt. And believe me, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best at your passions or your God-given talents. You should put those hours in. You should train hard uh, to do that. But I thought to myself, well, what about God? How does God come into all that in your life? And Jeremiah tells us, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Who doesn't want a hope? Who doesn't want a future? And he says, and Jeremiah says, then you will call upon me. It was really the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me where you seek me with all your heart. So if you think about it, God has a plan for you. 
without a doubt. He wants you to work out your salvation, Paul said in the book of Philippians. He wants you to live for him. He wants you to train. He wants you to practice. And you do those things when you fellowship. You do those things when you get into the word. You do those things uh, when you gather together in community groups and just go over questions and life and pour into each other. It's beautiful. And then we learn and we train ourselves to learn what it means to love them with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The love of that. And we do that for him because we want the world to know that we're one of his kids. That we're his children. So once again, I'll ask you, what about God? Where does he fit into your training? Where does he fit in your growing? Where does he fit in your pursuing or your desires? Because as Christians, don't we want to please him? That's why I'm here today. That's why I wake up every day. I want to please him. And I think about today, we're talking about eternity here with these awards, and the Bible calls them crowns. Not, it's not about the best song or the best picture or the best actor or the best director. It's about the best life that we can have in him. And here's this, this sequence, this, this uh, deal of teaching about truth and consequences. Paul told the church in Corinth, and here's the truth. Here's the truth from Paul. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's the truth about training and living for Christ in verse 10. Because in the consequence of all our lives is this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may be receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You must be consistent in your spiritual walk. And you develop over a period of time. I've learned through the years, in order to win that crown mentioned, that crown of mastery. The second crown is the crown of rejoicing. Second, 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord at his coming? Is it not in you? And I feel like this crown of rejoicing, it's like a, a crown associated with faithfulness and the work of evangelism because God is going to honor men and women who made winning others to Christ a passion of their lives. It's good for all of us, men and women, to stop regularly and really take inventory of how we share the gospel for others. We're here preparing each other to go outside these walls and make a difference for him in our families and in our job and in our neighborhood. So the question I have for you, who have you shared your faith with lately? Or how are you building a relationship with someone so you can share the faith with them? So the second crown is the crown of rejoicing. The third crown is the crown of glory. The crown is given for faithfulness and discipleship. The apostle Peter described this this way in 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And I thought to myself, well, is that just for pastors? And I thought to myself, what if we would read that shepherd your family of God that is among you? Shepherd your wife or your wife, your husband, or shepherd your friends of God who is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, 
Peter says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And that's my goal. I want to be an example for you of what it looks like to live that life. In verse 4, and then the chief shepherd appears, you will receive that unfading crown of glory. Isn't that beautiful? The idea of discipling is to lead someone in such a way that he desires to follow you in your Christian walk. Seriously, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, follow me as I follow Christ. Some versions say, imitate me. Paul was so secure in his face, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I will lead you that. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, according to Peter in those verses, men and women who lead others to maturity in Christ are going to be rewarded. They will put, be put in God's hall of fame because you choose or you desire to lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. It is so important. The word glory in that passage means to put something on display. And I read in a Tony Evans book that the guy, in fact, I wanted to put all this stuff out of here because the last 15 years, these are all the Bible studies we've done here. Either men, women, I mean, I, all of I mean, them. Nick, name me your top five best all time. I would definitely say radical. Uh, David Platt, I would say explicit gospel. Matt Chandler, uh, Stepping Up series. Tony Evans, my hero. Uh, the series that we did, the battle plan for prayer from the movie War Room, incredible. Gospel for Life, Tim Keller, incredible. All the through, you know, I just learned so much from gathering together with other men or in uh, Sunday school class with men and women and just learn and grow. But when Tony Evans was uh, filming The Kingdom Man, he visited the NFL headquarters in New York. I thought this would be a good day to talk about the NFL. Praise God. Redskins are playing today, right? But anyway, <laughs> he, was filming, he was filming the documentary for Kingdom Men and on one of the upper floors in this NFL office in New York. On the upper floor was a magnificent display cabinet. Tony Evans, man, Holy Spirit's texting me. But the uh, a magnificent display cabinet running the length of the room in this room. It said behind the glass, Tony Evans says, were displayed each Super Bowl ring all through the years going back to the beginning of the game. And also displayed was the Lombardi trophy that someone will get today, praise God. It was a sight to see, Tony Evans said. And although these treasures will fade away one day, all those rings, all those trophies, everything we got, the display case of your discipleship and eternity will last forever. Last forever. If you're a man or a woman who has shared the faith with somebody and, and helped disciple them, your rewards will be in heaven. And when you get to heaven one day, people are going to say, wow. They're going to come up to you, thank you for sharing Christ with me. Thank you for living out what it looks like to be a Christian. Fourth crown, the crown of life. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. What a statement. Who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. 
And I think to myself, some men and women, and you know them and you can probably name them, seem to go through one trial after another. It just doesn't seem to stop that God's working through them. But God says your hardship doesn't go unnoticed in heaven. When you endure, when you refuse to throw in the towel and make excuses, God has a crown waiting for you. Think about it. If you hang in there through the suffering, knowing that God has a purpose for that suffering, that he's going to be there with you through that suffering, that he allows that thing to happen in your life because he wants you to make him number one in your life, that you would make him number one. And you don't might know exactly all he's doing when you go through these trials, but you will receive this crown. The last crown today is the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness is given for faithfulness and ministry and described in here in 2 uh, Timothy 4, 7, and 8. It comes through keeping the faith all the way to the end. And, in Timoth- and Paul writes to his protege, Timmy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, the Bible says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award, there's the award word in the Bible, to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Think about it. So the good news about all these five crowns is that you don't have to know some special agent uh, to qualify for them. They're not just for super saints. It starts with surrendering your life to him and working out your salvation. Receiving them is a matter of every day. Consistent faithfulness of getting up every morning and saying, Lord, I give you my life today as a believer and a follower of you, Lord. I want to obey you. I want to love my wife. I want to love my children. I want to honor you with everything I say and do. So it's important for us to realize that these crowns wait for us in the future. And when we receive them, we have to be faithful in the present to receive them in the future. Continuing, and here's the, the downside, to continue to hide behind our past, maybe making excuses, maybe allowing other things in the world to become more important with you than your relationship with God, but continuing to hide behind your past will keep us from living in the present, from looking towards the future. All these crowns are obtainable, every one of his children. He works in us and through us. He's the gold. He awards us with these crowns as we faithfully pursue him. That's the secret. Faithfully pursue him. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to him uh, must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. So he has these crowns for us. And, you know, it has nothing to do with earning your salvation because when you repent of your sins and receive Christ in your life, you're saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised and dead, you shall be saved. These crowns have to do with your fruit. These crowns have to do with working out your salvation with fear and trembling. It counts us for uh, living our life out. 
So I want to end this message with some verses because last week I took you through Romans chapter 1 and it really showed the consequences of not living for God and allowing uh, you to suppress the truth and he darkens your mind and your heart and you do things you shouldn't do. It's incredible. But then I found these passages in 2 Peter and these passages are hard to read, but I'm going to be honest with you. This is what the Bible says to you should you choose not to follow Christ. Should you choose to make yourself a God or believe in some other God that ain't Christ. And here it is, 2 Peter 2, 12 through 13. Watch these. We put them on PowerPoint so you can see the Word of God. And we hope that the Holy Spirit enlightens those words in you. And here's Peter talking about those who uh, don't want to live for God. Or maybe those who really made a profession of faith or a false confession of faith and they don't live for Him. And Peter says these, this, But these, like irrational animals... Creatures of instinct, born to be called and destroyed, blasphemy about matters of which, and now from then on, look how many times Peter uses the word they. They are ignorant. They will be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for the wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. Think about it. You see these award shows and you see the way they dress and you see the way they live their life. They counted pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast on you. Verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. I mean, they'll make songs about it. They'll do movies about it. They'll do everything they can to entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, Peter calls them. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression as a speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. That's beautiful. These are waterless springs and mist driven by the storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Think about it. And we worship these people. We give them awards. We look at them in high esteem. Verse 19 says, They promise them freedom. Now, these are the unbelievers. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. For whatsoever, for whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Think about it. If drugs overcome you, you're enslaved to them. Alcohol, enslaved to them. Pornography, slave to them. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Then he goes on and says, this is heavy now. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. And that's when the enemy wins, man. 
The enemy wants you to be entangled in the things of this world. The enemy wants you to find excuse not to be a part of a church family or not to be a part of his his word or be a part of his will for you. But it says they are entangled in them and overcome. And then the consequence is the lost state has become worse for them than at first. Think about it. For it would have been better for them to have never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit. And so after washing herself returns to wallowing in the mire. It's unbelievable. I told a story to the teenagers a couple weeks ago. For some reason, nobody knew who Kurt Franklin was when I asked him. I mean, his generation going downhill. But anyway, uh, Kurt Franklin has a testimony for us, man. Kurt Flank- Franklin was entrenched in pornography. Even as a young child, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. He was growing up in the church and he was so talented. Man, they had him leading the choir when he was 12 years old and he, and he went to his pastor and said, Pastor, I gotta be honest with you, I have trouble with magazines, man. I'm going home and looking at these magazines and I'm looking at nudity and it just has a, a captured my heart and I don't wanna be that. I wanna be faithful to God. And the pastor put his hand on his shoulder, Kurt, don't worry about it, you I grow it. And he said in his testimony, that's the day that my life went downhill because I thought I could get over it and I couldn't get over it. And then I got married thinking I could get rid of pornography and I didn't get rid of it. I know I've told this story before, but maybe he wants to say it again, that he got to that point in his life and somebody asked him, well, Kurt, what was the worst day of your life? I know when it is. One night I got up, took all my magazines, went down the end of the block. There was a 7-Eleven there, threw all my magazines in the, in the trash bin. I went back home, you know, thought I was free. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke back up, ran down there, got a ladder, went into the trash bin, got all the magazines, and came back out and brought them home. That's what it means to be enslaved in something. When you can't get out of it, you don't know what to do. But I'm here today to tell you that Christ will set you free. Should you choose to follow him and realize that he has a plan for you and a will for you to do, that he will do that for you. Think about it. Romans 12, and we've read it today. I think Maddie read it to all of us. You don't want to come up here right now and read it, praise God. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2 is beautiful. It'll really do it for you. Think about these two verses. Write them down. Look at it. And so I'm in the uh, New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Think about it. I mean, I watch those award shows, you know, and you end up turning on, it's just filthy. And you see people living lives that they shouldn't be living, and they're getting these awards, and it's sad. And I just pray for them because I think to myself, I used to be there. There's not a person in here that wasn't in that state that those people are in. Think about it. Or have we become that prideful to think we're that good and that better than them because we're not. 
We're all sinners saved by faith. We all have this battle going inside of us. And that's when I sit in the teenagers, I want them to realize it's going to be a battle the rest of your life because you're going to want Christ and know Christ and receive Christ. But for some reason, your flesh doesn't get saved. And that battle is every day, man. That spirit of God, because the spirit of God lives inside of you. When you repent of your sins and receive in your heart, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, but for some reason your flesh doesn't get saved, and you want, and that battle starts going on. The flesh brings up anger. The flesh brings up greed. The flesh brings up guilt, uh, unforgiveness. All those things are by the flesh. But should you choose to live for Christ and learn to want a desire for those crowns, that crown of righteousness and faithfulness and mastery and joy. But he says, let them be, because God has done all for you this. The New Living Translation is kind of cool. I think Mark Haley gave me this book. He had 300 Bibles. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And that's what we have teenagers doing. They're seeing these award shows and seeing these people are millionaires, man. They're coming up in uh, limousines. They got people following them. They got security. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. If the band and ushers could come forward. Because I think to myself, man, that's what we need to do as a church family to be ready to live for him. So I want to close to tell you to receive these crowns. You gotta be faithful in the present. Every day, you gotta continue to hide uh, behind our past. Don't continue to hide behind your past, but keep living for the present and looking towards the future. All these crowns are attainable as Christ works in us and through our lives. Come on up, ushers. He's the gold. He should be our gold, and he awards us with these crowns as we faithfully pursue him with our lives. Father, thank you for your word today, Lord. Thank you that we can come together, Father, and just hear the truth. And I know the more I stay into your word, the more I read your word, the more I live out your word, truth is going to be uh, displayed in me like you would want truth to be displayed everybody in here. Father, I want every teenager, and I ask them today, if you were a parent and you had a teenager, what would you be concerned about yourself and concerned about you as a teenager? And I'm saying that, parents, so you can ask them in the car what their answer was, Father. Because we want to know the truth, Lord. We want to know the difference between right and wrong and good and evil and what faithfulness looks like and what unfaithfulness looks like, Father. You have a plan for us not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And I pray for the future for everyone here, Lord. I pray that you bless our offering, Father, today. I pray that you bless our altar time today, Father, because at the end of every service, Father, we want nothing else but to open up this altar for those who desire to live 
more faithfully for you, Father. To have a desire to seek you first in our life. So bless our offering and bless this altar time. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen.